This is Marco Rosa, and you're listening to the 919 Podcast. Listening to the 919 Podcast, the only podcast all about the over 1.5 million people living in and transforming the Triangle of North Carolina. And I'm your host, John Carter, and today I talk with Marco Rosa. He's the Director of Communications for the North Carolina Football Club. And I've been wanting to sit down with him for a while because there's just so much to talk about. Not only do we have very successful uh, soccer teams here in the Triangle area, but there's a very real possibility that downtown Raleigh will look very different here in the next few years with the Crown Jewel being a multi-use soccer stadium. Marco and I talk about that and much more, so let's jump in. Oh, and one more thing. Most of my episodes are recorded in person, so it sounds a lot better. It's much crisper, clearer with the mics. Um, but the reality is a lot of my guests are just super busy people, and it's it's hard for schedules to align to where travel can happen. So in this case, Marco and I did record uh, over Zoom, uh, but it worked out pretty well. So anyway, it's not going to sound as crisp and clear as some other recordings or as you're hearing me now, but it gets the job done. So enjoy. Okay, I am here with Marco Rosa, Director of Communications for North Carolina Football Club, also known as NCFC for all you kids out there, in the midst of a seven-game and 10-day stretch, uh, but making time for us today. Marco, thanks so much for being on the 919 Podcast. Well, thank you, John, for having us. Absolutely. And how's that going, by the way? Uh, We just had the first two. So uh, it was a tremendous success. We are hosting the Women's International Champions Cup. In its second edition, the four best club teams in the world playing against each other. We played uh, Manchester City yesterday and had a come from behind win after a two, what is it, was 70 minute delay where we scored in the 84th and 92nd minute to advance to the championship game against Olympique Lyon, which is arguably the best team in Europe. Wow. So, and it's happening right here in Raleigh? It is happening in Cary at Wakeman Soccer Park. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, we should have the uh, home crowd advantage, right? One would hope. Yes, we did yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) We did yesterday. There were some jerseys from other teams out there, but our fans are the best. And especially on the women's side, well, both, both groups of fans are the best, both men and women. The women's fans are extremely savvy and, uh, and it's great to see the stadium fill up for our NC Courage games. That's awesome. Well, that's a good place to start. And Marco, you know we're going to talk all about the football club, both the, the men and women's team, uh, the sport itself, uh, its future in Raleigh. But first, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. So can you just talk us through your journey to the Triangle, how you got here? Well, I got on I-95 to come south. <laughs> No, jokes aside, uh, I'm from originally from Italy. I moved to the States about 26 years ago. And about 15 years ago, uh, looking for quality of life, I moved to the Triangle. In those six years, I worked in some restaurants, and then the Railhawks started up in 07. And my background is in PR, so I started working with the Carolina Railhawks. 
so, and then I moved away. I went to Columbus to work for an MLS team, the Columbus crew did a couple of years at major league lacrosse in Boston. I came back in 2015 to open a restaurant with a friend, uh, and realized I wanted my nights back and my old job became available. Uh, there's under new ownership. There were a lot of changes within the organization. So it was the right time for me to come back here and help shape the message and usher in the, what we called back at the end of 2016, the new state of soccer. I definitely want to hear more about that. Um, first, do you go back, back to Italy often? I try to go. Uh, my mom still lives there. My dad's in New York. Uh, I was there last summer. I didn't go this summer. Probably going to go in the spring next year. It's not easy to, to, in the line of work that I am, to find the right amount of time to go. Uh, and it's tar- hard to go in the winter just because I'd rather go when the weather's nicer and warmer. So, uh, you know, my mom asked me to go every year, but it's not that easy. Uh, sure, sure. Whenever I do, I go see friends and I catch some soccer games and obviously spend time with mom because you got to. You got to. Well, I'm curious, uh, when you go back, what are the locals' reaction to when you say you're from Raleigh? Uh, does that get any certain reaction? or uh, The locals' reaction is they know uh, where I um, where I live, and, uh, you know, it's usually my friends. So um, they kind of asked me a little bit about North Carolina. My mom, who's quit probably quite alarmist and doesn't know geography very well, uh, usually asks me, oh, I saw there was a flood in Texas. Was that near you? Uh, <laughs> and then I, I always claim that I'm going to send her a map of uh, the United States so she realizes that the distance is pretty, uh, pretty big. Yeah, uh, I try to explain to them that the United States is a lot more than New York and L.A. and Chicago and Boston. And, uh, and Texas or Florida. Or Texas or Florida. Yeah. Exactly. But it works. I mean, my friends know where I live. Uh, now, trying to get them here to visit is a little bit more difficult because if they come to the United States, they want to go to those places. Well, you can tell them we have direct flights from Paris and the U.K. now. So. Um, oh, they're well aware. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. I always try to ask. Uh, that's always very interesting to me. What other people around the world think about Raleigh or North Carolina uh, in general? So, well, and I'm, we're going to digress a little bit more. But I'd like to turn that around. When I have friends vi- visiting Italy with me, or they have a trip planned, and I'm there at the same time, I love to see what. I've grown up seeing and what I sometimes take for granted through their eyes. And it's extremely fascinating. Yeah, no kidding. Well, great, Marco. Uh, So what do you do for North Carolina Football Club? I know we said you're the director of communications. What does that mean? How did you um, how did you get into this position? Well, a director of communications, basically director of public relations or or media relations. Uh, It's a position where I help shape the messaging for the overall club basically the front-facing messaging to the general public and the internal message that we try to portray with the culture of the club. Um, A lot of it has to do with uh, uh, making sure, obviously, that they talk about us on TV and in the News and Observer and in the Triangle Business Journal and all the other great uh, outlets and podcasts out here. Uh, and, uh, and the other part is really crafting a strategy so that people know who, you know, who we are and that there is fantastic soccer right in their backyard. Yeah. 
for sure. Well, tell us a bit about the football club itself. So it's comprised of two teams, right? The yes. So North Carolina Football Club uh, was born out of the old Carolina Railhawks. The Railhawks were established in 07. I uh, went through a couple of ownership changes. And then in 2015, uh, local entrepreneur Steve Malik uh, bought them uh, and decided to bring the team to the next level and create a true soccer uh, family, if you will. So in 2016, the Railhawks rebranded to North Carolina Football Club. And at that time, he had announced several initiatives, including trying to play at the highest level possible on the men's side, bringing a, an NWSL team or National Women's Soccer League team to the area as women's soccer continues to grow and uh, build a, a, a stadium where fans closer to the fans, so bring the game closer to the fans in downtown Raleigh, as opposed to the wonderful facility we play in, in at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary. And uh, he's delivering on a lot of things, which is great. So we have the men's team, which is now North Carolina FC or NCFC, as you talked about earlier. Uh, which play in the USL Championship, which is the second division of the United States, just one notch below MLS. Then we have the NWSL champion, North Carolina Courage, who have won pretty much everything that was available to them last year, <laughs> losing just one game, um, and are a phenomenal team to watch uh, on and off the field. Yeah, and uh, we broke records along the way. Points scored. Uh, I think we were undefeated on the road. The only game we lost was here against Utah, and uh, and just by a fluke, like last minute goal, no less, we were headed to a draw on that one because it could have been an undefeated season, for all intents and purposes. What was great about it was that we won what's the, called the NWSL Shield, which is the regular season champion uh, trophy, and. Never in the six-year history at the time, now seven-year history of the league, had the Shield winner won the championship. And so we, everybody was betting against us, and we proved them wrong. Awesome. So uh, coming back with uh, yet another trophy. So you talked about this earlier. Um, where, where do you guys currently play? You mentioned Wake, Wake Med Soccer uh, Park. So where yes. So we play at Wake Med Soccer Park, which is in Cary. Wake Med Soccer Park was built in the early 2000s to accommodate a different iteration of the Courage in a different league called uh, Women's United Soccer Association, I think, or WUSA. Um, and uh, uh, it used to be called SAS Soccer Park. It's right off of Chatham Street uh, in, in Cary, right before you hit downtown if you're coming from Raleigh. It's a fantastic facility. It has uh, a 10,000-seat stadium with suites and, uh, and other amenities, as well as... I believe it's seven uh, ancillary fields where the team trains. The uh, um, you know there are other games, loose in different leagues. Youth youth players train, and uh, it's also been training ground for the U.S. men's national team in the past. The U.S. women's national team has come here in the past. Several other international teams have come in here to prepare for their Gold Cup uh games so it's very it's a very well-known facility 
around soccer. So let's talk more about that because I think that's so interesting uh, and maybe it shouldn't be as, uh, as, um, as interesting. It should just be more, you know, of course that's the case, but uh, you know, the international games are being played here. You mentioned the the national teams are, are play here sometimes. So why do you think, what do you think makes care, you know, that soccer park and Raleigh and the triangle in general, such a great place for, for this to happen? Uh, it's it's really interesting because uh, what I've noticed throughout my years working in soccer is that this is also a place where a lot of former soccer players come to live. I think it's the combination of climate after their careers are over. Okay. It's, it's a combination of climate, the area, the proximity to the beach and mountains, the easy, ease of getting in and out. And in RDU, we have a fantastic airport. And like you said, we have direct flights to Europe. We have direct flights pretty much everywhere in the country. Um, and it's, uh, the climate's perfect for the sport. There has been 40 plus years of youth sport here uh, with uh, the former Castle, now NCFC Youth, which is a partnership collaboration that we have with, uh, with the youth system. Um, and there are other youth clubs, but also some of the top programs in soccer are here. Duke has had a very good program throughout the years. UNC, obviously, on the women's side, has dominated for the past 25 years. On the men's side, they won, I would say, one every three or four uh, NCAA College Cups. Uh, it's just a perfect combination of weather and talent, if you will, Interesting uh, in, the, in the area. And it's, it's my opinion, but it's something that I see a lot. And all of a sudden, you have youth clubs where a guy who played in MLS for so many years, like Michael Harrington's coaching, or uh, uh, there's a rumor that Clint Dempsey just moved back here. I haven't seen him yet, but, uh, you know, so all of these uh, are great. We have Jessica McDonald on our women's team. She went to UNC. She loves living here. Heather O'Reilly, she's from New Jersey. She's probably one of the, you know, she's a legend and. uh, she bought a coffee shop in Chapel Hill and uh, decided to live here, and she loves it. Um, you know, it's also the same case can be made by all the people who actually move here on a daily basis. What is it, 65, 70 people a day now? Yeah, 65, that's right. So, uh, so uh, you know, everybody's a transplant in this country. Uh, everybody's a transplant in Raleigh for sure, but uh, it's, it's a testament to the great community we have. Well, that's that's awesome. That's really good to hear. So let's take a break. Uh, when we get back, uh, Marco is going to talk to us about maybe the most exciting thing to happen in Raleigh ever. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that in a second. This episode is brought to you by Ashley Quinn of Fonville Morrissey Premier Agents Network. True story. Uh, Ashley actually helped my wife and I buy our first home back a few months ago in Raleigh. So uh, she made what is typically a stressful uh, home buying process super painless. Honestly, I felt like she was holding our hands the whole time. She moved super quickly and she made sure that we didn't miss out on our home. If you want to buy a home or sell your current home, reach out to Ashley by emailing her at ashley at ashquinn.com. That's at A-S-H-Q-U-I-N-N.com. Okay, so obviously one of the main reasons we're talking today is because uh, the football club had some exciting news to share recently, and maybe you could fill us in. 
on that. Uh, I'm assuming we're talking about downtown South. We are talking about downtown South. All right. So downtown South is arguably one of the most exciting projects to come through Austin uh, that we presented uh, this past year uh, in uh, partnership with uh, real estate developer, John Kane and uh, with the help of another real estate uh, developer named um, Billy Redman of Trademark Properties, we presented a project that would completely transform the south part of Raleigh, and that would be that area off of 40 coming into downtown where uh, there is really nothing there right now and uh, it needs to be developed. So the project calls for about $1.9 billion in mixed-use development. That's $1.9 billion. That's a lot of money. And would that would, yes. Yes. That would be uh, hotels, restaurants, housing, affordable housing, uh, businesses, you name it. That would be what's going on there. And the crown jewel of all this is $180 million in this case dollar uh, a sports and entertainment stadium that would not just be for soccer but it would house a number of events throughout the year concerts graduations festivals which is a big thing in this area if you think of dreamville and you think of hopscotch which is coming up soon and all these other great music festivals um, and the desire to put something down there is not only to create a southern gateway into the city so this is a project that would be uh, a crown jewel for the city. It's uh, recently uh, County Commissioner Sig Hutchinson called it, called it visionary. Uh, it was, uh, there were a couple of studies that came out in recent years. One was recommendations from the city and county. One was a recommendation through the uh, Raleigh Convention and Visitors Bureau that something is needed in that area that they want to create this, this really look of, and feel of a city and transform a city. And, uh, and this is a great project for it. It's, on the, uh, it's at Penmark Drive, uh, which is an old, uh, it's an old area where there's nothing there right now, literally. You know, we, uh, we hope that we can make it happen. I mean, I think it's, personally, I think it's much needed. Downtown Raleigh is great, but it needs to grow if it wants to compete for the top talent in the country, the top businesses in the country, and be one of those top 10, 15 cities to best cities to live in in the country that, you know, it surely deserves. So how likely is the stadium and has there been pushback? Uh, there's been a little bit of pushback. Obviously, there's always pushback when uh, certain things, since certain topics come up. What we're trying to do is to use, uh, uh, to have a portion of interlocal funds used. Interlocal funds or uh, hotel motel taxes are funds that are allocated by the city and county for projects that would greatly increase tourism to the two-way county which we fall into that category, obviously. Um, and, uh, and most recently, the county recommended they would find, finance other projects that had asked for some of those monies, um, and, uh, but then recommended a feasibility study for our project. Now, these are not new taxes. These are not taxes that would, uh, would affect our, our wallets. They're taxes that are levied every day. Someone has, eats at a restaurant in Wake County, or uh, sleeps at a hotel in Wake County. So it's a, uh, it's a fund that keeps growing. 
because people tourism continues to grow in this area. People like eating and staying places. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So whenever you go out to dinner, uh, there's a Wake County in Wake County. There's a Wake County one percent food and beverage tax that's added to it to your bill, and uh, that goes to this fund. And it's the same way, I believe, the hotel tax. Whenever you spend a night, let's say, at the Renaissance Hotel at North Hills, six hmm. percent tax added to your bill. That six percent goes to the interlocal funds. Interesting. So. I was talking with, uh, on a previous episode, we had Jed Byrne on, who's a uh, city planner, uh, mm -hmm. friend, friend of the pod. He said, we were talking actually about this very subject, which is you know, uh, the likelihood of a stadium going up in, in Raleigh or around downtown Raleigh. And uh, he, his big point was it would have to be multi-venue. For example, and for people who don't know what that means, you know, PNC has basketball and hockey games and concerts and a lot of other kind of events, even Carter Finley. Mm -hmm. Uh, has concerts in addition to football. So uh, you mentioned this, but you know what? What else would take place in the soccer stadium? Um, we're looking at esports as well. Wow. Okay. Right now, uh, there is esports are really growing. Uh, the there is no bandwidth anywhere in the county to host esports. So that's one. Concerts. Now, the rule is about to change at Carter Finley, but one of my biggest pet peeves when I went to see the Rolling Stones a couple of years ago and you too about seven, eight years ago was that I couldn't have a beer. <laughs> you know, I like to go to concerts a lot and I like to have, I'm not a huge drinker, but I like to have a beer while I'm enjoying some of my favorite musicians play. Sure. And, and that's, you know, that's about to change, but that was something that, uh, couldn't uh, couldn't happen at the time. I believe that the 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 sports and entertainment stadium would be able to attract some of those medium concerts that are outdoor concerts that are too small for, let's say, Red Hat or uh, Walnut Creek. Uh, I'm sorry, too big for Red Hat and Walnut Creek, but too small for a Carter Finley or you know, if you go out of county, you go to Chapel Hill or Duke. Um, and there's a lot of those. There's a lot of concerts that we're missing out on. Also, graduations, potential American football games, uh, festivals. Like I mentioned this earlier, you know, a great place for um, a larger artists to come to a hopscotch or to a Dreamville, you know, where you're going from point A to point B to point C. One of the things that we tout is the proximity also 50 almost 15 maybe 20 minute walking distance with uh dick's park so let's say j cole came right and he did a dreamville festival and he wanted to do some things at dick's park but then he wanted to do a really really big event in a larger venue it would be all concentrated nearby and and the other important thing for us is the fact that uh the stadium would be surrounded by things to do Whenever I go out to a sporting event, I like to go maybe to dinner, out to dinner first or afterwards. A lot of our sports venues, there's nothing around them. Yes, there's, uh, you know, Backyard Bistro across the street from Carter Finley or from the PNC Arena. But, I mean, a little bit more options and, and opportunities to within walking distance. That's right. something that we notice a lot within, with young people. You look at uh, urban stadiums in Portland, in Seattle. Uh, and in uh, in Atlanta and in other places, there's things to do. You can you don't have just one place to go. You, there's different things to do. You can make a night or a day out of it, and uh, and that's a huge 
that's a slight, a slight, not a huge issue, but slight, a slight issue with uh, where we're playing now is um, we get in, we get out, and that's it. Nothing against Wickman Soccer Park. I love that venue. It's a phenomenal venue, but if we want to grow and continue to grow, we need something bigger. So talk, talk me through this. Um, the proximity to downtown, of course, there's a million, not really, but there, there's a lot of good restaurants and places to go downtown. Uh, but this would be just far enough to where you'd have to take a car. So do you see this as almost an extension of downtown Raleigh or do you see it as a maybe a separate area uh, of Raleigh? That would be its own its own thing. I think it's a uh, part of downtown. Okay. It would be an extension of downtown uh, between the greenways that are there. It's on the one of those proposed BRT or bus rapid transit lines. Um, it would make downtown Raleigh bigger and better. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah. walk downtown Raleigh in twenty five minutes, right? Maybe a half an hour, top to bottom, left to right, or east to west. This would give it more of a downtown feel, a larger downtown feel with uh, more options for everybody, more things to do. You, we said it earlier, 65 people a day moving into the county. Uh, why not give them as many options as we can? Right. So let's talk more. You know, obviously, um, this, this could mean a lot for the area. What would this mean for the teams? This would be great for the teams. Case in point, we are hosting the Women's International Champions Cup right now. We are playing in a beautiful venue, it's 10,000 seats. If we had a venue, a a larger venue that's surrounded by things, it would be really a world-class facility for the best players in the world to come and play. You know, it could attract some different different international events too. Uh, You know, some of those games that go to Charlotte, for example, like the recent uh, Fiorentina uh, Arsenal that was there, it could come to us and it wouldn't have to be in a, 45 50,000 people event person venue which could be you know three quarters or a half full it would be completely full in a venue that's perfect and dedicated for them it would uh, allow us to connect more with the community uh we noticed that a lot of times people who live in downtown raleigh find it hard to come to the games in Cary. it's far it's hard to get in and out of we don't have a car etc cetera, etc cetera. So while we do offer bus options that are free to come to the games, it's not like we can bus, you know, 5,000 people. If we were to put it in an area where people can walk to or take one of those dreaded scooters down or ride their bike, uh, don't get me wrong, I love those scooters. <laughs> um, and uh, That's a whole other uh, podcast. And, you know, or walk, <laughs> yeah, I mean, walk down the, walk down the, uh, walk down from, you know, park your car at uh, Cabarrus Street and then take a nice walk down the Greenway, you know, right. and, and make a day of it. Uh, it's, it's, there are some cases where it's easier and in, in, in the fandom will grow if you bring it to them. So what do you think this means in terms of, uh, I know the, um, you know, the, the soccer teams, uh, for example, men's team plays in the USL. Uh, so do you think that this would possibly get enough it, this would make it so that an MLS um, that that tier up would be possible for this team well we have we always said that we wanted to play at the highest level possible first of all we are very happy in the in the league that we are the USL championship is a great league that continues to grow 
They are at 34 teams right now, which is hard to keep track for, of for a uh, PR director sometimes. <laughs> but uh, but uh, And it's a fantastic league, and it's growing, and they're going in the right direction. Uh, MLS is, you know, the first division of the United States. And uh, while we are not, you know, we did send a, a bid in a couple of years ago, uh, we would be great. We would be really grateful if it came here. Right. Right. You know, and it would be great if it came here. Um, we're not, you know, saying it has to, this stadium has to happen. So we get an MLS team. No, far from it. Actually, we really want this to happen regardless of an MLS team because we want to give a facility to both our teams that we can all be proud of. Again, nothing to take away from Wake Up Soccer Park. We're very proud of Wake Up Soccer Park and where we play, but something that's, uh, you know, again, a place where people can convene. Uh, you know, historically, uh, the Greeks used to convene in the square. The Romans used to convene in the square. And then on the side of the square, there would be the area where they would uh, they would um, uh, have their chariot races. And on the other side was the gladiator arena. This Are you was, suggesting that we have a gladiator arena put no. in? you know what i mean it's yeah, exactly where, where the plaza if you if you've seen some of the renderings this, there's this great square that we envision people congregating and hanging out and the concerts and outside too sort of like the north hills concert series or the uh i know i noticed there's a crossroads concert series and uh you know it, 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 people like to the community people like to commune and, and hang out and enjoy themselves. And we want to offer them the, all the options that we can if possible. That's great. Well, I, tell me about this now that you're mentioning a couple of things. Let's talk about the popularity of, of soccer or football um, in the triangle, because this is, this is a sport that is, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it seems as though it's getting more popular uh, in the area. Uh, I feel like in the past few years uh, and, oh, just drop something. Uh, and then of course in the United States as well. So do you have any statistics on that? Uh, I don't have numbers handy. Could it, I but, you, but it's, it's right though. Right. That, and, and absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The sport continues to grow. Uh, it's, it's a great sport for kids to play. It's a lot, it's dangerous because all sports are dangerous. You know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, care taken around head injuries and other injuries, obviously, but, it's it's an easier sport to play. Everybody can play it. I'm athletically challenged, and I can play it. Um, you know, it's it's great workout. First of all, probably one of the most complete workouts you would get. Um, let me let me put it to you in in some 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 numbers. We call ourselves the largest youth to pro club in the country because of our collaboration with NCFC Youth. There are fourteen thousand plus kids that play in NCFC Youth. That's wow. a lot of children. Yeah. You know, on top of that, there are other local clubs in the area that have large numbers of children. Uh, and we're talking, you know, recreational all the way to academy, which is just a notch below going to college to play and getting a scholarship and then going professional. Um, NCFC Youth can every year sends 50, 60, 80 kids to college on scholarships, uh, which is great. Um, and it's both boys and girls. It's not just the girls game. I used to say one thing, as you know, I grew up in Italy as we started with this podcast. Uh, it used to be cyclical. 
it used to be every four years you'd see the World Cup on TV. Uh, and, uh, and then people get it really, oh, it's the World Cup. Oh, maybe, oh, there's a soccer game here. Let's go see it and things like that. And then the following year, it fizzle out. Well, now it doesn't anymore. Uh, the leagues are established. People go to games. Atlanta draws 25,000 plus uh, fans a game. Uh, they keep setting records. We want to be the same type of team that keeps setting records. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's used to be you could only catch Premier League teams, uh, which are this, is the English uh, league on TV. Now everybody's on TV. And the same is said with women's soccer. Women's soccer continues to grow. A lot of it is testament to the players who are positive role models as well. They're out in the community. They are coaching games. They are going to events. They are stopping after a game to talk to their fans. There's not one player that does not stop after either a men's or women's games to sign autographs, making these kids super happy, making the parents less happy because they sign their shirts and get them all dirty. But, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's great to see that. And we get emails all the time thanking us or thanking our players. Oh, she was, he was so gracious talking to us or she was so gracious talking to us, taking a picture, posing for a selfie. That speaks volumes, and it goes back to the sense of community. Awesome. All right. Well, as we're, as we're finishing up here, I wanted to ask you some rapid-fire questions. Are you ready for that? I guess I have to I be. I guess right? it has to be. Okay. Favorite bar or restaurant to go after a game? Um, I have a favorite taco truck. Does that work? That, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Favorite, because, because of the lateness and because I live in Garner, um, I stop. There's a taco truck called El Rey del Taco off of South Saunders Street in a Sitco station. Best tacos in the triangle. Um, they make their own tortillas and they're fantastic. That sounds really good. Favorite place to play soccer in the triangle? Uh, Centennial Campus has some fantastic fields. Uh, NC State's Centennial Campus. Yes, I don't know if there's another one actually. <laughs> um, great. Well, there's a few. There's Brooks Park. There's uh, uh, yeah. there's others down on the other side. There's some in Nightdale that are being built. Hopefully, sure. the project that we're trying to build will also add some of those. So hopefully, I can see downtown South soon. Hey, uh, what position do you play? Um, I don't play, so I play left out. Left out. Okay, I just play out. <laughs> uh favorite team to play against uh, um favorite either, either the men's or women's yeah uh favorite team to play against there's always a big rivalry on the women's side with portland so they're always exciting games we beat them in the championship last year we lost to them in the championship the year before oh wow uh on the men's side i would say on this coming wednesday august 21st we're playing tampa bay that's probably my favorite gotcha worst fan base of another team Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah. You can't answer. You can't answer. Plead the fifth. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, how? Um, that's it. That was pretty painless for the rapid fire questions. Uh, one last question, though. How can people um, get involved? What you know, is their website? Um, All right. So for North Carolina FC and North Carolina Courage, come to games. That's the most important thing. We need to show people that uh, – that we do have a great product, uh, come to Wake Med Soccer Park, go into NorthCarolinaFC.com or NCCourage.com. On the women's side, we play against everybody that you've seen in the World Cup this past July. A lot of them play in this league. Uh, Marta, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, 
our own Crystal Dunn, Jessica McDonald, Samantha Mewis. Come watch them play. They are fantastic to watch, both men and women. Uh, for Downtown South, go to visitdowntownsouth.com. We uh, sign up for the newsletter. We'll be sending another one out shortly uh, because there are some other things that are coming down the pipeline just next week. Uh, and uh, and get involved. Be vocal. Tell your commissioner. Tell your council member. Um, offer to volunteer. Talk to your friends about it. But more important, let's make this happen organically. Let's really, really grow our already established fan base to show that we do need downtown South. Awesome. All right, Marco, that's all I've got for you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and being on the 919 podcast. Well, John, thank you very much for having me. It was really great. That was Marco Rosa, the director of communications for NCFC. You can follow the podcast by going on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and searching at the 919 podcast. If you have any thoughts on the show or maybe are a business owner and want your very own ad on a future episode, then email me at the919podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and see you all next week with another episode.